Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Spain. Welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, you the listeners, you vote for your favourites and at our live event we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Hola Matt, ¿qué tal? Uh, ¿Cómo está? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love how language just trip off your tongue. I know, I'm cunnilingus. <laughs> Let's move on. (laughs) Welcome to Spain, everybody. Mm. We're in Spain. We're at the Benidorm Fest. Well, we're not at the Benidorm Fest, but we're reviewing the Benidorm Fest. We desperately want to be at the Benidorm Fest. So if anybody wants to take a little couple of podcasters out to the Benidorm Fest, (laughs) we're just putting that out there. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would be there with my Aperol Spritz and my... Off your I don't tits. Know, yeah. What would they? What do they drink? What would they drink? Sangria. Sangria. Mm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe next Cerveza. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Sign us up. <laughs> summary. It's a very summary podcast today. Yes, because we're in Spain. And, uh, well, once we just jump into it? Let's. So the Spanish national final once again for the second year in a row was the revived Benidorm Fest. Semi-finals on the 31st of January and the 2nd of February and a final on the 4th of February. All direct from the Palau Municipal de Sport de de Benidorm. I don't know what kind of accent that was in, but I it sounded Portuguese. It sounded more Portuguese, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, it was three shows, two semi-finals and a final, hosted by Monica Rancho. Wow, Ines Hernand and Rodrigo Vasquez consisted of three rounds, eighteen candidate songs competed, divided between the two semi-finals, so nine in each one. Four songs with the most votes among the professional juries, 50%, and the demographic panel, 25%, and the televote, 25%, went directly to the final. And during the final, the eight qualified songs were performed to determine which would represent Spain in the Eurovision Song Contest 2023, following the same voting system as the semi-finals. Mm. So a jury there with half the marks, the demographic with a quarter and the televote just a quarter. Oh, yeah, that age-old question about where the power lies mm. in jury systems and televoting systems. And the Spanish fans are not the fans you want to piss off, to be honest with you. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> but having said that, look at last year when the demoscopic panel and the, went for uh, Tangeras mm. and how everybody absolutely loved Chanel by the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe it's the right thing. Maybe it is. <laughs> um, they chose, of course, Aya by Blanca Paloma. Should we have a listen to that? Yes, please. No. 
Blanca Paloma there with Ella. It was an acquired taste, and it wasn't acquired by very many, I have to say. It got 100 points in the voting. It finished 17th in the final. But 95 of those 100 votes came from the juries, and only five came from the televote. I'm so gutted for Spain and Blanca because it's just I get it it wasn't necessarily going to be a televote song not with not up against some of the strong televote songs in this year's Eurovision but yeah I thought juries would really respect what they were seeing on stage and they just didn't give it anything well they gave it 95 I, I know. mean they gave it 95 of its 100 points 95% of its votes so you know the juries won two um, hmm. You know, too bad on it. Yeah. But only five from televoters. That broke down to three points from Portugal, two points from the rest of the world. So, again, maybe that kind of like big Spanish speaking part of the world contributed to, you know, two points in the in the televote there. It, I do find it a real shame, but I think we always went in knowing that it could be this kind of song that just wasn't going to connect and was yeah. going to divide uh, voters because it is. A very specific sound. Um, I found on Wikipedia um, it lists its charts placings uh, as a single and it doesn't even list it as hitting the charts in Spain. It lists it in one country. Can you guess which country that is? Knowing a country that does vote and watch Eurovision quite a lot, is it something like Chile or Peru or one of those South American countries? No, it's a Eurovision competing country. It's Lithuania. Oh. It got to number 67 in Lithuania. Ah, but a lot, a lot of Eurovision songs do though. But that's weird how that particular one would resonate. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah, a real shame though. I mean, I like that Spain went out on a limb. I like that they, you know, did something different, something very representative of a part of it, their musical culture. Um just think it's a bit of a shame that it wasn't rewarded. It's just ahead of it, not ahead of its time, it's not quite right, but it's just it's just too out there for a, a general ear at Eurovision. Which begs the question, did the right song win? Now, it was one of my favourite songs, so in that respect, yes. But for placing at Eurovision, no. Because I think there's two songs that we're going to talk about in a minute that would have done better. I agree. I think it was one of the standout songs and standout performances oh, yeah. in Benidorm Fest. But I do think that there were our songs in here that could have done better at Eurovision. Well, shall we hear what they are? Mm. Song number one then is Air by Sharon. Monty, thoughts on Sharon? So, Sharon is a drag performer who won the second series of Drag Race España, which I've still not caught up with. There are just too many bloody drag races <laughs> to keep up with now. Um, I, I haven't seen that one. So, Sharon went in with a high recognisability factor. 
um, amongst Spanish fans, particularly LGBTQ plus Spanish fans, and also with a bit of an international profile from those people who would have watched this. Um, I, because I hadn't watched it, didn't have that that perception coming in. But this was the first song in the first semi-final. Boy, did it set the tone. Oh, wow. It's such an up-tempo number. It's uplifting. Um, a great routine with the dancers. Um, completely OTT on the costumes, of which there are not one but two costume reveals. <laughs> and at the end, a wig snatch as well. <laughs> Just what you want from a drag performer. Vocally a little bit wobbly at times, but Sharon can certainly perform. You can certainly see. And um, thematically, it seems to be a bit of a kind of like, you know, a musical version of kicking yourself up the arse, you know, basically saying you're the one that's responsible for what you achieve. And so, you know, get out there and do it. Um, uh, and yeah, I like that. Would she have been taken seriously enough on the Eurovision stage? I don't know. Mm. But this is a great performance. I think it's one of those songs that would it wouldn't look out of place at Eurovision, but something would they need to elevate it with something. This is a really strong national final performance for a local audience. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm I and I have to say it's you're right, it is a song that is about I think about giving people the freedom to be what they want to be. Some of the lyrics are about, you know, putting on makeup or something. So I think there's real encouragement to be what you want to be, which is kind of like it's old kind of old rope room when it comes to you know well well, actually I revert back to my comments about drag queens and cabaret for Eurovision and at national selections because you know you need to be able to deliver something really strong as you know as we've said we've selected the Norwegian Cherry Skrelex who you know was a drag performer and was excellent so I like it when it works it's good I feel like this wasn't quite there I thought there was more because anyone that's watched Drag Race knows that she can sing she sang on the show Look, it is a banger. It does bang. It is made for the clubs and it's about giving people that freedom. So, you know, it's right there. Some of the lyrics sort of fill the air and I think it's it, it's clever, but I think it's just quite basic. So it does a job, but it is quite basic. I think that national finals, successful ones that really, you know, resonate with the local public should have songs that aren't going to make it to Eurovision, but are going to be well received. And this is absolutely there for me. I'm so happy this was in the selection. Um, it gave me three minutes of just pure joy, really, even if there's not anything particularly culturally highbrow about it. Song two is by Agone, and it's called Quiero Arder. wanted Arder <laughs> to burn <laughs> um, it's actually quite a similar song to Sharon's actually but kind of from a first person perspective it's almost saying the similar things I see it as Agony giving himself permission to be a bit dirty and to go to the dark side or go to a dark place and it's all the performance is all within this backdrop of 
light or religion. Some of the lyrics suggest that light is, is, is you know, light or from above. It's all very queer, you know, again, with Agony. And he's in a shocking sort of, it's a red plastic, red sort of leatherette jumpsuit. It's kind of looks like shiny rubber. It's just kind of very queer fetish. Um, and I love that. The similarities between Sharon Song and Kiera Ade stops there. Uh, this is more contemporary. It's telling a story. It's a lot more interesting and engaging. The choreo is full on. Sharon had choreo. It was also, but this was, Akin's going around the stage. He's up, he's down. He's mixing with his dancers. Um, you've got to give him credit for that. And I think it's a great song. I really like this. I really like the visuals in it as well. Mm. It just starts with him singing um, amid a forest of microphones, all in different stands, <laughs> pointing in different directions um, at it. Um, the the song style and the vocal style, for me, swing a little bit um, between something which sounds like um, Amal Affair by Edorne and something which is much harder dance, almost kind of industrial shouting um, at times. There's a lot going on in the presentation. There is that really religious element. There's a there's a point where he is draped over somebody's lap, and it's like the scene from La Pieta, Michelangelo's mm. statue of the Madonna and Christ, when Christ's just being handed back to Mary, having come down from the cross. I mean, it's so striking. Um, it's really brilliant. I couldn't quite work out the lyric. Maybe I had just a bad translation. My Spanish isn't good enough, but I couldn't quite work out what was going on in the lyrics. But by God, I liked it. Mm. Um, I did find a lovely um, comment on uh, Wikipedia describing Agone, uh, saying uh, Agone is a Spanish singer, composer, and performer who rose to fame from his participation on the Operación Triunfo 2017 program. Due to his great vocal potential and the versatility of his voice, and in reference to his home of the Canary Islands, he's been nicknamed the Canary with the Golden Voice. <laughs> oh. It's partly on display here, and partly a bit more gruff shouting into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Talk about songs you would have liked to see at Eurovision. I would have loved to have seen this on the Eurovision stage. All that energy, all that power. Oh, I just think slight missed opportunity. Song number three then is Fusa Nocta with Mi Familia. Monty, Fusa Nocta. Thoughts? Well, we talked about Aya and Blanca Paloma and the kind of style of modern flamenco that she was bringing. And for me, this has elements of that as well. But in what feels a much more kind of urban way, this, this, this is grittier. Um, there's it's a song about family and about the primacy of family um, you know wanting to give your parents something for them to be proud of you um, for um, it's about grandparents 
boosting you and lifting you up and building your confidence and, you know, family being like the first thing that's there. I think, though, there's possibly a queer reading of this also being about chosen family as well from the visuals and the dancer. And yeah, I just really like it. At the start, she's on top of a car and somebody is doing an exceptionally long plait which coming from the back of her hair and you kind of, the, the camera goes up from the, the end of the plait up to her. Um, the plait is disconnected from her hair by the time she gets up and sings and dances. Um, but it's got a little sort of child's voice. So again, it's that element of family um, coming in. There's a bit of a dance break in the middle. She's um, she's wearing a costume that's, you know, got those Chanel buttocks on display. <laughs> and there's a kind of slummy religious moment in this where she's hoist cruciform by the dancers before she's put back onto the top of the car um, at the end. I really, really like this. But it's inaccessible, I think, to a lot of people. But I don't. I wonder, contrasting this with Blanca Paloma, whether the more urban and the grittier edge of this might actually have resonated with more people, because it's clearly very contemporary, whereas Blanca Paloma's was much more of an artistic presentation, or more traditional. This is very contemporary. Like you said, it has got that urban twist to it. Well, this is what I suppose the new flamenco pop that you see in the charts is. That's what it is. It's weird. I think the, the, the reading of family, but then it's kind of having this car on stage and this kind of really kick-ass delivery. She's kind of like fierce as fuck, right? I mean, I absolutely love her. It kind of doesn't quite sit with the whole family because it belies sort of... The, actually, it's quite a sweet song. It's kind of saying, you know, like you said, like the primacy of family, the, you know, getting confidence from uh, family members and maybe passing that on to younger family members. Like she talks about her cousins. And it's just like, that's really weird because you're delivering it in this kind of kick-ass Charlie XCX sort of really sort of nasty but good way. And yeah, it's kind of a weird mix of things, but it's her self-expression. I think that's kind of what her family is giving her, right? She's sort of saying, be yourself. And so maybe that's, that's part of it. Yeah, look, I adore this song. I adore her. I think last place in this national final is probably down to something. Had the Blanca Paloma effect somehow split the vote or something like that, or just up as comparison, it just pales into insignificance because Blanca's you know presentation was absolutely flawless. I would love for her to, come, to return and see what else she's going to bring in this sort of new flamenco space. I think she's um, really exciting. Song four is by Vico and it's called Noche Entera. So Matt, Nottentera is a bit of a play on words um, about the whole night or an 80s night. Tell us what you think. Well, if you've not heard this song before, then shame on you because it was the hit of the Spanish summer last year. 
No, this year. It was even played, actually, when Spain won the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, immediately played. And it just goes to show the, the love and how popular this song was. It is one of those songs that does lose a little bit of something in the live, but it was kind of boosted a little bit from the crowd, boosted into third place, which I think is about right. The song is... It's essentially her asking us to kind of all come to an 80s party all night long, party with her. She kind of references someone can come to the party and get in, you know, she's maybe a love interest. At one point, there is something where she kind of has a um, a neighbour, but it's the, I think the, the translation is the neighbour bites, but I think the neighbour must bang on the wall or something. <laughs> and she sort of says, hey, let's dance up. And then the, 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 the audience call back up, up, up. And then she's like saying, come, come, bring some ice or, you know, so it's kind of like it's this fun play. Um, it's not taking itself too seriously. She's dressed in this amazing sort of blue couture lingerie with knee-high socks and puffy ballerina dress in this just one colour blue. Just so 80s, actually. Just really sort of give an 80s vibe for the 80s party. And it's fun. Um, the audience in the studio are very much part of the performance because they kind of, the shots are bringing them in. There's call and response and everyone's doing their part. And it's just, it's perfection. It's a real party track I had that blue sort of skirt thing down as a rah-rah skirt yeah yeah but then maybe I remember the 80s <laughs> yeah better than you too <laughs> um, yeah I love it it's really fun um, there's some really nice little bits um, uh, you know it, it's kind of you know let's have a drink and let's have a party and you know there's a really couple of lo- lovely little lines in it says um, tu mojita de fresa mi mojita de menta your strawberry mouth and my mint mojito uh, beautiful things are found at the end <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit um, just cheeky and it's um, yeah it's really 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 sweet um, nice little presentation it's it's a presentation in sort of like a living room set, but it has got that sense of kind of like either getting ready to go out or just having a little house party and the kind of sort of slightly chaotic vibe of that. It's, um, you know, it's not a polished performance, but I think it's deliberately not a polished performance because it's giving some of that kind of homely quality mm. um, to it. Um, massive hit in Spain, as you said. So compare the fact that... Um, Blanca Paloma didn't even chart in Spain. This was a number five hit in the charts. Yeah, it was huge. It was everywhere. And I think sometimes it's like that. A chart track isn't necessarily a competitive track. I mean, it was, it came third, but just wasn't quite as, yeah, captured the imagination. Yeah, I mean, I guess we saw that with May Muller for the UK this year, where, you know, some of that sounded great in the studio version, just didn't translate to live performance. Um, I think... Vicom would have made a better fist of it than Mabel did. Yeah, I think it's just, it's, for me, it's one of those songs to be enjoyed as a kind of a heritage song from a national final that takes on a bit of a life of its own in the fandom. Song number five then is Aritz Aren with Flamenco. More flamenco, Monty. 
Yes, I guess no Eurovision selection in Spain is going to be complete without a flamenco sex twink. <laughs> uh, Aritz is, well, he's smouldering. He's a very pretty boy. He's such a model. You can tell Incredibly he's done it all. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, this, this, this is proper, proper pretty boy good looks. Um, and it's a it's a song about you really kind of looking for the right one and true love amid the one night stands. Um, it's very superficial. It's very there's no nothing highbrow going on here. My heart it beats flamenco. The more that we dance slow, I'm losing myself to an echo de amor. Uh, and Mama told me no more kissing strangers because they're only good for one night. Well, I mean, <laughs> Mama knows all about our lifestyles, eh? <laughs> I think it's fair to say that Aritz's selling point is not his vocals. It is his looks. And he's parading around the stage in leather pants, and he's quite enjoying himself. He's joined by a female flamenco dancer who's wearing this huge red flamenco dress, and she flings herself at him. Um, he seems largely uninterested by her. <laughs> um, but they have a few moves around the stage. I think he could be with a bet do with being a better dancer, given he's doing a flamenco number that hinges on dance. But this is the kind of thing I really love in Benidorm Fest. It's giving something really, really Spanish in a very different way to something like Fusa Nocta or Blanca Paloma are giving something really, really Spanish in different ways. And I am so here for what Benidorm Fest is sizing up to be. We've only had two runs of it, but my God, they've been good runs. And this didn't even get through the final, and I can understand completely why it didn't. But it's the kind of fun that I want to see in Benidorm Fest. And Benidorm Fest is giving it to me. Yeah, I I agree. I can see why it didn't qualify, to be honest with you, because as beautiful as he is... The song feels flamenco by numbers, right? It doesn't feel it's really pushing the genre at all. We do get a little bit of spice when they do the dance, but yeah, it was a little bit underwhelming. The staging's quite sparse, actually, and he's sort of wearing, as you said, it's all he's all black, and the backdrop is really dark and black, with, save for, like, these red sort of structural... It's like he's in, like, in a massive cube, and it changes, so it's all these little sort of lines. So it kind of feels like a music video in some respects. But there's not much to it. It feels a little bit empty. It's nice to see, as I said, you know, I agree with you, but it didn't fill me with the Spanish passion that Fusa Nocta or Blanca Paloma gave me. But again, solid entry. And, you know, if a song like that doesn't even get to the final, then you know that this national final was good quality. So a solid entry by a flamenco sex twink brings us to the end of our five songs this week. Which one of those is going to be the Spanish cherry? Find out after this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So you know what this is by now. This is our good thing of the week that is good. This is just to combat all the rubbish and negativity that you see online. And we're going to give you something to, that kind of makes you feel good. And, well, this week it is, it's not so much news, but Ukraine have said that they're going to return to Eurovision and we're going to get another vid beer this time in February, not December. And uh, and there is some, uh, a bit of a change of format. But Monty, this makes us feel good because obviously Ukraine is still at war and 
it's never a guarantee that any country is going to come back to Eurovision. So this is actually quite encouraging. Makes me feel quite good. Not least because they're at war, but also, you know, what Ukraine brings to Eurovision is quite specific. Like what over the years, in your mind, what have they brought Eurovision? What have they brought the contest? I mean, I think Ukraine has been such a dominant force at Eurovision on the stage and off it. Mm. Um, you know, off the stage, we have had discourse which has been dominated to some extent by the relationship between Ukraine and Russia long before they were at war on this scale. You know, certainly post the Russian invasion of Crimea. Um, so much so that there is a Wikipedia page dedicated to Ukraine-Russian relationships in the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> and we've seen sort of a bit of prodding and a bit of, you know, mm. kind of, you know, playing out against one another. But I think strip all of that away. And actually what you've got is a country who came to um, Eurovision with a clear vision that this was going to be an opportunity to present themselves on the world, world stage. People will know Paul Jordan or Dr. Eurovision, as he's known, a um, friend of ours, you know, appeared on many Eurovision-related programmes, uh, uh, commentating. And oh, was that actually Eurovision this year? He was one of the segments. Oh, yes, Ooh. yeah. And um, he's... Um, his dissertation, the reason he is Dr. Eurovision, was about nation branding. And Ukraine was one of the countries he chose to um, use as an example of that. And it you know, gave a newly independent country um, the opportunity to compete on an equal footing with countries which were long established. But I think, you know, almost from the off, maybe not in the first um, year, but from their second year, they brought such high quality. Mm. It was so clear that Ruslana was a leading favourite, um, you know, and gone on to be a classic winner. And I think what Ukraine do is they can stage a song really well. So even when they brought songs which you think, mm, I'm not sure about the song musically, put it on stage, you know, whether it's with a sand artist or, you know, with, um, you know, lots of... A giant man. A giant man. <laughs> I mean, so many things they brought to the stage and it just works. Yeah. They really know how to get the most out of a song. Um, and I think that they still see Eurovision as something very serious for them. It's very important for Ukraine. And I like to see a country which holds Eurovision that close to its heart. I'm really pleased to see them back. I'm really pleased to see, you know, what they keep bringing. And I think, you know, in many people's hearts, whatever opinions we might have had of Ukraine before, I think, you know, people hold them very fondly now because of the circumstances they find themselves in. And I wasn't there in 2005, but I was there in 2017. Kiev was one hell of a host city. Mm. I cannot wait until the opportunities are there for us to go back and support the country again. Yeah, no, agreed. And it's funny you bring up about the embracing Eurovision as a, as a, as a branding, because actually part of uh, this announcement was that they are going to bring back Vidbeer and there's a, a slight change in format where the viewers are going to be able to choose one of the artists that are going to participate in the national selection. And the head of delegation actually said that they want to, it's a way of engaging, I think, a way of engaging the wider audience of Eurovision. So not just 
people in Ukraine to embrace your uh, Ukraine culture and 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 she she talks about putting showing the world that Ukraine cares about music culture. So it's funny you say that because actually that's exactly what they've been bringing to Eurovision since day dot, right? Um, this made us feel really good, actually. I think this this is why it's our good thing the week that's good because this is what Eurovision's about. And you mentioned Vidbeer, and what I love about Vidbeer is it just brings such diversity to the consideration stage for Eurovision. And, you know, obviously most of those songs don't get chosen, but we get to hear those songs. We get to see elements of Ukrainian culture, and it's so forward-thinking in Vidbeer. I just think, you know, they bring a really, really strong game. So there we are. Made us feel good this week, thinking about Ukraine next year at Eurovision in Malmö. And that's why it's... Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Matt, there is one big announcement left to make in the Spanish episode. What's going to be the cherry? Mm, we have a number of options, but we went for... Quiera Adair by Agony. Yay! Quiera Arder by Agony there, Monty. So that's our Spanish cherry. Indeed. Now I know, you know, we are neutral about the entries when they go into the competition, but I'm just really pleased that this is one of our lineup because, as I said, this is a song I would have loved to have seen on the Eurovision stage and I think would have got a much better result for Spain than they did get. It's a mm. bit of a shame that after such a successful first edition of Benidorm Fest, the result wasn't there at Eurovision for them this year. But yeah, what could it be, eh? Yeah, no, I agree. This is one that I think would have done better than their place in, as well as uh, Noncentella, I think, as well. But there we are then, our Spanish entry. What do you think, guys? Do you agree with us? You can contact us and tell us on Twitter, at Second Cherry, Insta, Second Underscore Cherry, Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast, or email us at Oh, hello. <laughs> at secondcherry.vision, that's... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. <sighs> Another one down, Monty. Another one down, yeah. yeah. Spanish. Should we tell them what we're up next week? Should we tell them? Yeah, let's, because we already know which one it's going to be. We are going to go big in the Balkans. Mm. We're going to Serbia. Wow. I'm very excited for this one because it was a crazy national final. It really good was. and bad, but re- yeah. but good, mostly good. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you next week when we talk about Serbia. See you then. Bye. Bye.